May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. My name is Mike McGowan. I'm the pastor here at Parkway Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to week three of our message series, Working It Out. And uh, in this series, we're talking about work and how God wants to be involved in our work. And remember, your work might be something that you do that you may or may not receive a paycheck. I mean, a person's work might be, it might be being an employee at a company, but it also might be rearing kids or volunteering at church or running a community service organization or a charity, or it might even be going to school, okay? Now, uh, in this series, I've been telling stories about my very first job working at Albertson's grocery store. Um, and remember a couple of weeks ago, I told you about that kid named Ricky who got promoted before I did? Well, we actually ended up both being promoted to the same department. And uh, that was the department where we were in charge of stocking all non-food items. You know, items like, you know, diapers and light bulbs and school supplies, that kind of thing. And, we, and Rick and I actually became very good friends. And part of our job in the summer was that during those summer months, one night a month, we would have to stay at the store all night long and stock, make sure the shelves were really, really full. Well, when you're working all night long, sometimes things get a little bit out of hand, okay? So anyway, so I remember one time I was stocking, and I was stocking, I remember I was stocking on a bottom shelf, so, you know, I'm just sitting there, and I'm stocking, I'm filling up the shelf, I'm, you know, doing, all, doing my work, and I feel something on my shoulder. So I go to flick it off, and when I do, it, like, I touch something, like, that's hard. So I turned, and I looked, and staring at me were these two beady little black eyes that were attached to a humongous lobster. Oh yeah. So I'm like, ah, get the, get the, get the, get the, get the, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm not freaking out. And then I look over and I see Ricky just dying laughing. I'm like, oh dude, it is on. So I go to the lobster tank and I grab two lobsters and I make sure that I get the two that like have lost one of those little rubber bands on his claws. So I grab these lobsters and I'm like, God, I'm chasing Ricky all around the store trying to put these lobsters on him. Oh, hi. And so, anyway, he's crying. I mean, he's running and screaming. I'm cracking up. I mean, we're having the best time. <laughs> it was just awesome. It was so funny. And, uh, and I honestly, it's a wonder somebody didn't pull those surveillance tapes and fire us both, truthfully. <laughs> and I actually wonder if those managers actually did look at those tapes and just died laughing and thought, man, I hope these guys do that again because that was so funny. <laughs> <clears throat> And I thought about that story a bunch and thought about that experience. Um, but let's just say for a moment, let's just say those managers actually did watch those tapes. And let's just say that they were looking for people to promote some, to some very unique positions within the company. But instead of doing like a traditional interview where you could anticipate the questions and give some prefabbed answers... They were observing how people were performing their current job, and their performance was the interview. And let's just say that after looking at the tape, they looked at, they, they looked at what Ricky and I did. They said, these are exactly the kind of guys we're looking for, because they're innovative, they're creative, they think outside the box, they don't do things that other people would normally do. They do things that 
promote team rapport and, and not something hokey like a trust fall, but they, they do things that actually would promote camaraderie within an organization and within a business. These are the guys we want for these jobs. What if Ricky and I were interviewing for a job that we didn't even know existed? Now, there were none of these top secret positions at Albertson's grocery store. I can tell you that right now. But, what if? What if some positions like that actually did exist and they were available to you and to me? What if there was a job that each one of us, we were inadvertently interviewing for? A job beyond our description, beyond our scope of knowledge, but it was very, very real. And what if our interview for that job had nothing to do with what our work on earth actually is, but it's all about how we do whatever our work on earth actually is. Now, that is much closer to reality than most of us might think. Because you ever wondered what we're going to do in heaven? You ever wonder what we're going to do in heaven? I mean, a lot of people think that, you know, we're going to just, you know, sit on a cloud in a toga playing a harp, you know? And, you know, while that sort of imagery sells a lot of precious moments figurines, it doesn't come from the Bible, okay? In fact, the Bible says nothing like that. The Bible actually tells us that there will be responsibilities for us in heaven. And furthermore, it's how we perform our work here on earth that would determine our level of responsibility in heaven. Let that sink in for just a second. How we perform our work on earth will determine our level of responsibility in heaven. In the passage we're going to look at this morning, Jesus tells a parable, and it's in this parable that he gives us a glimpse of what heaven's really going to be like. So, let's look at what he says. Go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. Let's look at the parable. It's in Luke 19, beginning in verse 12. He said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Now, a mina is a unit of money that's worth about three months of wages. So, it's a lot of money he was giving to each one of these guys. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his servants hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Now, let me just pause right here, kind of let me catch up with what's really going on. The man of noble birth is Jesus, okay? And the distant country where he's going is out into the world. Um, now, his servants that he gave the minus to are people who are already believers, who are already his followers. And that's, that's like you and me, okay? And Jesus, he wants the rest of the world to believe in him. And, and the truth is, whether they do or not, at the end of time, they're all going to stand before him and recognize him as the one true king, the king of kings. Okay? So now Jesus gets to the point of the parable. He says, then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Underline this part, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, 
Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, he says this, he says, take charge of, and circle this, 10 cities. Take charge of 10 cities. All right, now hang on. Obviously, the mina is symbolic of something else. Now, Jesus doesn't tell us what that is, but one thing we know for sure is that it represents something that Jesus has entrusted to every follower. You know, perhaps it's a talent, or maybe a skill, or an opportunity. Maybe all of those things. But as a result of being trustworthy with something very small, they were rewarded with something great. Look, and three months' wages is no small thing. However, it's relatively insignificant in comparison to being responsible for 10 cities, right? Now, don't miss this. This means that how we handle what God has given us to be responsible for on earth will be rewarded with greater responsibility in heaven. And so what will we be responsible for in heaven? I don't know. I, like, I have no idea what it would be. But honestly, it's probably something that we could never imagine. Probably something beyond our wildest dreams. But honestly, these cities, they represent something. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have said it like this. Okay? Now, let's finish the parable. Verse 18. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. Honestly, this is one of the most significant parables I know of in the entire Bible. The, to comprehend the level of impact of what Jesus is saying here, I'll be honest with you, it, it's, it's, it's just incredible. I mean, this parable says that Jesus has trusted each of us with certain things. You know, intelligence, skills, a love for a hobby, kids, a spouse, a job, neighbors, time, a salary. I mean, any of those things, all of those things. And get this. He expects a return on his investment in you. He expects a return. Now, don't miss this. It doesn't matter what you have compared to someone else. It matters what you do with what you have. That's what matters. See, in heaven, it won't matter how much money you made here on earth or what your job title was on earth. It will only matter what you did with it while you were here. And so no matter what your job title is, in heaven, 
you will be rewarded for exactly how you handled your responsibilities here on earth. It'll become very clear to you at that point. Now look, I'm not saying, get this, I'm not saying that you get to heaven by doing good things. You only get to heaven by asking Jesus to forgive you and then promising to follow him as best you can from that day forward. But what I am saying is that once you know for sure you're going to heaven, then you're interviewing for a job in heaven every day. Well, what can I do to make sure that I get a great job in heaven? Well, two things. Here's the first. Number one is this. I ought to allow my work in heaven to motivate me in my work on earth. Allow my work in heaven to motivate me in my work here on earth. I've reprinted verse 17 there for you. He said this, he says, well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you've been trustworthy in a small matter, take charge of 10 cities. That was that one I had you underline and circle. And I'll be honest with you, I hope these words just stick in your heart and that you never forget them. Because when you realize that your work here on earth, whether you get paid to do it or not, when you realize that your work here on earth determines your level of responsibility in heaven, then it should motivate you to do your work here on earth differently. And that will motivate you to do your work in several different ways. And here's these bullet points. Here's your next set of feelings. It ought, first, it ought to motivate me to do this. To do my work right, even if no one else will know. I need to do my work right, even if no one else will know. It also needs to motivate me to do my work thoroughly, even if no one else will see. For example, if you're working on a repair project or a work project or, you know, maybe if you're a student, you're working on a term paper or if you're volunteering, look, whatever it is you're doing, do it right and do it thoroughly. For example, at my house, I was uh, changing a light bulb um, and it was like really high. So when I got up on the ladder, I looked down and I realized the painters didn't paint the tops of the cabinets. Now, they weren't, didn't have to paint the tops of the cabinets, okay? And you might think, well, nobody would ever notice. Well, when I got up on the ladder, I noticed. And if the painters had painted the tops, you know, I might have said, man, those painters are amazing. They even painted the tops of the cabinets. But instead, you know what I thought? I thought, man, those guys only did what they just had to do and no more. You know, and as I think about the story, in the very same way, when you do your work, do it right and do it thoroughly because from God's vantage point, he sees everything. He sees every time you cut corners. And likewise, he sees every time that you do it right and you do it all the way, even if it's something that no one else will see. Because remember, you're interviewing for a job in heaven every day. Here's another thing that I ought to do, ought to be motivated to do. That is, I need to do my work so that I value people over policy. Do my work so that I value people over policy. Have you ever called a customer service line and it seems that they've adopted the motto, we're not happy till you're not happy? 
Oh my, I mean, it is, it is maddening, isn't it, when you talk to some of these people that are like that? See, look, when you get a chance to value people over policy, you're walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Because in Jesus' day, he helped people even on the Sabbath, even, even, because that, even though that was against the policy of his day. So let's say that God has entrusted you to be a boss or to be a supervisor of some sorts. Do you value people over policy? Remember, you're interviewing for a job in heaven every day. Here's another thing. Do my work so that my workplace is better with me in it. Do my work so that my workplace is better with me in it. Teenagers at school, moms at home, grandparents when you got the grandkids for the weekend, employees at an office, whatever your work is, when you're there, do you moan about difficulty or do you work through difficulty? Does your presence at your, make your workplace better because of your compliments, your comments, your quality of work, or does your presence make your workplace more divisive because of your complaining and your overall demeanor? I mean, it, it, it's a big deal. Um, is your boss, your teacher, your supervisor, I mean, whoever it is, are they blessed by your quality of work, by your emails, by your attitude? If you were in your boss's shoes, how would you view you? Do your work so that your workplace is better because you're in it. Why? Because you're interviewing for a job in heaven every day. Every day. And look, and you have no idea what that job is. Now, you know it exists. You don't know any of the details about it. And honestly, you're not going to know any of the details about it. But once you get to heaven, it'll all become very, very clear. So while you're here on earth, use that as a motivation Use it to motivate you to perform your work and your responsibilities at the highest level possible. Because you're interviewing for a job in heaven every day. Now there's a second thing that we need to think about when we're thinking about a job in heaven, a responsibility in heaven, that's this. Number two, work for Jesus, not a person or a paycheck. Work for Jesus, not a person or or a paycheck. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, the Bible says this, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Let me tell you a story I heard in a sermon one time. It's a, uh, a guy owned, a, owned his own business building houses and he you know he was on the job site and he was really discouraged and kind of down about the whole thing and the guys that he were working for him they weren't working very hard Uh, the project was already behind schedule and over budget it it was a hot august day honestly he was thinking about just hanging it all up and just just shutting it all down about that time the guy that cleans the porta potties pulls up in his truck and, you know, he gets out, and he drags the hose out. And, you know, honestly, 
cleaning a porta potty on a construction site on a hot August day, man, that is one undesirable job. Okay? So anyway, he pulls the hose out and he goes inside the porta potty. You know, he's he's cleaning, he's banging around in there, you know, doing whatever he's doing in there. Just, and then all of a sudden, a very pleasant aroma begins to waft over the whole construction site. All of the workers turn to look and see what's going on. The owner turns and looks and sees what's going on too. You know, and they can hear the guy banging around in there. Finally, he comes out and he starts packing stuff up and getting ready to leave. And the owner, like he just, he just can't believe it. So he walks over to him. He says, hey man, I, I gotta know. What did you do in there? Because the truth is, that place is almost always uninhabitable. Okay, even when it gets clean, which is very rare, it's hardly any better to start better than it was when we started. So, what is it you did? What I mean, what did you do in there? And so, the guy said, looks at him and says, "Well, sir, I want to apologize to you for the service that you've been receiving. The guy who's been serving this unit is no longer with the company, and I'm his replacement. And I want you to know, from here on out, things are going to be a lot better around here." Because I don't just work for the company, I work for Jesus. And he packed up his stuff and he drove away. And the owner went and sat down on the porch dumbfounded. And he just thought, if a guy like that can do a job like that with an attitude like that, then what do I have to complain about? He said, I've been a Christian a long time, but I haven't been a Christian like that. And he made a decision right then and there that from then on, he was going to stop working for a paycheck and start working for Jesus. Would you do that in your work, whatever your work is? When you're doing your homework, if you're a student... Would you do your homework as if you're going to turn it into Jesus himself? When you're working on a project at work, would you work on that project as if the client were Jesus? When you're volunteering, would you volunteer in such a way as that you were doing it for Jesus personally? Because honestly, according to the Bible, you are. Would you make a commitment to do your work as if you are working for Jesus, because remember, you're interviewing for a job in heaven every day. Now, there is one bit of work that we can do on earth that we cannot do in heaven, and that is the work of telling other people about Jesus. Because once we're in heaven, it's too late, and all the people that need to know about Jesus aren't there, they're here. And so we need to tell as many people as we can, as quickly as we can, as often as we can. Now, in your seat, there's a pack of five invite cards to our fall campaign. Now, our fall campaign is a campaign for people. It is not a campaign about money. The message series for the campaign is called Unshakable. Now, here's what we've done. We've taken all of the prayer requests that have been turned in on connection cards since the beginning of the year, and we have comb through all of those cards, and we have taken the top seven topics that people have asked prayer for over the past, whatever it is, eight months now. 
And those are the topics that we're going to deal with in each message during this sermon series. And so according to God, that's how we can become unshakable in life. I tell you, it is going to be an awesome message series. And so would you make a commitment to do the work of inviting as many people as you possibly can? Make a commitment to take these five invite cards. This message series starts in two weeks. I mean, it is going to be amazing. And so I want you to invite as many people as you possibly can. It starts on September 15th. So here's what I want everybody to do. I want everybody to pull out your connection card. I want you to hold it right next to your message notes. On your notes and on the card, I want you to check the next step or steps that you're willing to take today. Maybe it's this first one. I will use the reward of responsibility in heaven to motivate me in my work on earth. You're going to use that as motivation. Would you check that box if that's your commitment? Number two, I will perform my work correctly and thoroughly because the Lord is the one watching. It's a huge next step. Next, I will value people over policy, especially if you're a boss or a supervisor. Now look, that's not a license for you to just go to your work and ignore every policy around because you're like, I value people over policy, my pastor said. No, 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 don't blame me for that. But you know what I'm saying. When, you, when it is in your power and your authority, value a person over a policy. Would you do that? Next. I will strive to be joyful and not complain to try to make my workplace a better place. Would you do that? Next. I commit to do my work for Jesus, not for a person or a paycheck. And that one next step could change everything could change everything. Next, using the invite cards, I will invite five people to the fall campaign unshakable. Would you do that? It's going to be great. You're going to want to be here, but man, get the people here who also need to be here. This next one, I want to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. You know, maybe you have never taken that step of faith to ask Jesus to forgive you and then pledge your life to following him. You don't know for sure that you are going to go to heaven. Well, the only way to make sure is a prayer prayer asking Jesus to forgive you and pledge to follow him. There's a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes of how to do that. If you've never prayed that prayer or prayer like it, I'm going to give you a moment. I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a moment. Would you pray that prayer today? Become a Christ follower. Because it's then that you'll begin interviewing for a job in heaven every day. And hey, don't think like a job in heaven is like bad. It's heaven, okay? It's going to be awesome. No matter what, whatever that responsibility is, it'll be great. Or maybe it's this last one. Sign me or my child up, or child or teenager up for a small group. And there's a place to put names and codes. If you're signing yourself up, put your name there. Now, there's a small group catalog in your bullets in there. Um, what we want you to do is put your name in, out to the side. There's a... Uh, there's a, a code written in blue. Now, if the small group is already full, there's a place called full, and you can't sign up for that group, okay? But so on any of the other groups, go ahead and sign up. Now, look, get this. Last Sunday, just on Sunday, you're not in blues, we had over 1,300 people sign up for a small group in one day. In one day. So, hey, everybody's doing it. So, 
if you haven't signed up for one yet, get with the program, man. I mean, and 1,300 people wouldn't have done it if it's not fabulous. So sign up for a small group. It's awesome. And if it, anyway, put that on your connection card. Um, I want everybody right now, would you bow your heads just for a second? I want you to look at your connection card. Look at the next step or steps that you've chosen today. Because look, I don't want you to be the kind of person that just intends to do something, but I want you to be the kind of person that actually follows through and does it. We've already got enough Christians in this world that don't follow through on commitments to God. I don't want you to be one of those types of people. So I want you to look at those steps. For the next few moments, I want you to pray and ask God to give you the strength to follow through, to change your life because of this, to work in your heart. Or maybe if you want to pray that prayer to become a Christ follower, this is your chance to do that. But whatever you need to do, I want you to take some, take some time and do business with God personally right now. Father, I thank you for everybody that's here today, especially because they've made sacrifices to be here on a Labor Day weekend. Lord, I thank you that you never take a weekend off, that you're always here ready to meet us, and that you would richly bless everyone that has heard this message today, either live or on a podcast, and that that you would help each of us change the way we work. Because the truth is, we're working for you and the way we perform our work on earth is our interview for responsibility in heaven and so I ask that everyone that is listening to my voice God would work in such a way that their reward in heaven would be great the reward in heaven would be vast not for selfish reasons but because they want to honor you with their life because they want to bring glory to your name because they want to work in such a way that it draws other people to you and opens the doors for them to tell people about you and your son, Jesus Christ. So I ask that you would take everything that our hands find to do and use it for your glory and bring us all back safely next week and ask you to do this in Jesus' great and powerful name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, Find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.